As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Hey guys, welcome back into the latest edition of 755 is Real. Today is a live room recording podcast. We had one last week on Tuesday. I encourage you to check it out. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the live room, it is in the Athletic app. You're able to interact with David and Eric in real time. Ask them your questions. We had a great experience in a great room today. Questions range from Eddie Rosario's injury to where Acuna will be defensively once he returns. Also, what's up with the baseballs as well as Chris Bassett's comments. So the questions ran the gamut today. Make sure you guys are subscribed to 755 is Real, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. In addition, make sure you are subscribed to The Athletic, $1 a month for six-month deal going on right now, theathletic.com slash 755 is Real. Again, we appreciate your guys' support. Make sure to check us out on YouTube as well. I'll have the... URL in the show description for that if you want to check us out. And once again, as always, you guys are great. Thank you for tuning in. Here's David and Eric on today's live room. Chase, how you doing? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Uh, you- quick, good. Uh, first of all, thank you guys for doing this. It gives me something to do on my way to work every single week. <laughs> um, uh, so, quick question. Obviously, I was going to ask a question about the pitching staff, but with the um, updates about Rosario um, and his um, surgery. Uh, what do we think is going to happen from the outside perspective? Um, obviously, um, Demerit looked good last night, um, but is that something that you think AA decides to kind of look elsewhere just because with Akunu coming back, we have options, but obviously that's going to be kind of a platoon job. Um, so just kind of getting you guys uh, uh, perspective on that. Well, you got to at least try to merit. And then what yep. you've got now, you can't just not give. I mean, honestly, look at what's available. Here we are in the third week of April. If there's a good outfielder, what team is so far out of it that they're going to trade a good outfielder in the third week of April? Honestly, I mean, you just don't see trades made for good players in April. And the other thing is, are you going to get a player who's better than Demerit? I mean, we don't know what Demerit can do. What we've seen so far, very small sample, but it's been very impressive. 
I don't think we can condemn the guy to what he's done in the past and not because I don't know how many times we've seen guys make big jumps in in performance, whether that's in their second year or in the case of Kyle Wright in his fifth major league year. And in the case of Gamera, this is his third third year in the major leagues and the first time he's really going to get a chance to play other than when he was in Detroit before he got hurt. So, And he says he's made a lot of a lot of changes in his preparation that he's far better ready, far more uh, ready to play now. So I think you got to give him a shot. And also, if you bring in somebody else, there's not going to be much playing time at all for the three outfielders that you have because Acuna's playing every day after we get past his first week or two where he might DH a couple of times. After that, he's playing every day in right field, and Duvall's playing every day in center. So you've got one job, left field, and – Everybody that's left out there is either going to play either there, well, I'm not going to DH because that's going to be Ozuna. Yeah, and I guess that was my follow-up question was if you think that they um, are confident enough to have Ozuna out there at all or if he's strictly going to be DH and then that left field role is just going to be kind of a revolving door of whether it's Arcia um, or whoever they feel you know needs some downtime or anything like that. Yeah, I think left field they're going to go with what they've got now and see see what they've got before they make any kind of decisions on uh, whether they need to pursue somebody else. Because like I said, it's not the time to go out and get anybody anyway. So uh, if he has to go get somebody, he can do that. But the way Demerit's played so far, you'd be kind of stupid just to sit him down now, to send him back to AAA or put him on the bench, I mean, and not even give him a chance. So... I think he's going to get a shot to play every day or most of the time in left field because you've also got Dickerson, who I know has produced no numbers, but he has hit the ball hard. I know people don't like hearing that, but if you're watching the games, he has hit the ball hard for the most part. Um, and Ozuna is, is, is the plan all along was to have Ozuna DH before Acuna got hurt uh, or, or when, once Acuna got back. And that was assuming Rosario was going to play play well and now i think we have a good idea of why rosario did not play well so this changes things obviously because rosario was going to play left field once acuna got back and and ozuna was going to dh every day um so now if you have to play ozuna out there in left field you can i mean he's he's not going to help you and he's not going to kill you most of the time he just can't throw but if you have to you can play him there but still you need a dh and he's going to be the dh most of the time I think right now we're going to see Demerit play out there, see what he can do playing every day, playing yep. on a regular basis. Awesome. Thanks, guys. You got yep. it. I like the catch he made last night. Man, that was that was a difficult catch because he, he went around that little thing that sticks out, that juts out, that kind of cranny there. Yep. Um, and for a guy who hasn't played out there but a couple of games, that was pretty impressive, man. We, guys that play out there all the time don't make that catch. Yeah, I mean, it, just me looking at it as a pitcher, a guy that can cover that much ground and make those plays, I want him to get a shot. And, you know, like you said, there's no trades to make right now. So their best option is to see what he can do. And for him, you know, this is these are the things that happen that give you the opportunity to to make a name for yourself and stay in the big league. So he's got to seize this. And he's only 27. Yep. I know he's been around a long time. It feels like he's a lot older now. He's 27. Yep. I mean, so far, there's been nothing to, to – Watching him hit and play the outfield, which he hasn't done a lot. I mean, he, used, he came up as an infielder and he moved to the outfield one, you know, right before he got traded to Detroit. 
but he's an athlete, man. He's very athletic and he's an instinctive type player. Adam Jones started off as an infielder. Yeah. I mean, he showed me something with that opposite field home run. Yeah. On that pitch away, he hit a ball where it was pitched, as they say. And that was impressive. That was a good pitch, man. Yeah. Yep. So I think you got to give the guy a chance or you're not doing yourself any favor or him or him. Obviously, you're not. You're not uh, doing right by him, but forget that. You're not doing yourself any favors if you've got this resource and you don't at least see what you've got. So, yep, you got to get those answers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric D, what do you got, man? Evan D. Uh, Eric D. Oh, I'm sorry. Evan D's on the stage right now. Evan D, what do you got, man? Hey, uh, thanks for thanks for you know doing this space each week. It's uh it's been really enjoyable. I'm just um I'm wondering how you think the lineup's gonna look once Acuna does come back. I know he's gonna slot right into the one spot. Do you think everybody just slides down, like Acuna in the two spot, Olsen in the three spot, or do you think Ozzy slides more into the mix near the uh <clears throat> like the five or six spot to you know, help him get some RBI opportunities with this recent power surge he's had? It's gonna be interesting. I really don't get a good feel other than Acuna is going to be hitting leadoff from day one uh-huh. when he returns. And I think he'll keep Olsen in that two spot because I think he, he fits well there and he fit well there. So then after that, it becomes, I don't think you can really go wrong. I don't think there's an obvious choice for three, four, five. Obviously Riley needs to hit. Obviously Riley hits in one of those spots. Um, Duvall has not hit well this year. You know, he's drove in some runs the other day and got a big hit, but he has not hit well. So he can be down and slotted down a little further. I think Ozzy's probably got to go in there somewhere. Um, I just, I, I don't have an answer for you because I, there's not really a good a sense of what they're going to do with it. I j- just on, on based on what we've seen so far, other than the one, two, um, and, and I know he wants to give Ozzy some opportunities to drive and runs because he does have the six home runs. All of them mm-hmm. um, from the leadoff spot, um, but I, I don't think there's a real. If 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 Duvall was hitting like he did last year, I would say he'd be a good, you know, good in that cleanup spot. But he's not hitting like that right now, so um, it's going to be interesting. Dansby obviously stays in the bottom of the order. Yeah, uh, um, but I think overall a great like, problem to have, I guess. I like Olson behind Acuna. <laughs> I just I like making them make that choice. Yeah, exactly, and I think we're going to keep seeing that. And I and for that and for that logic too, I like Riley in the three spot the way it yep. used to be with those first three guys. That that's who the pitcher has to face in the first inning, and those are the it. guys that are going to get the most at bats. I mean, I, if you go on that theory, which is a pretty sound theory, I'd have Riley in the three hole. Yeah, me too. He's hitting almost close. He's hitting around three hundred with a with a high OBP and a ton of power. So, I mean, why not sit him in that, what was the conventional spot where you had your best power hitter, you know, for a long time with Chipper Jones there forever. And Freddie was there forever until he moved to the two hole in the last couple of years. So uh, right now I, I would guess he goes, I know he's going to go Acuna and I think he'll go Olsen and, and then Riley in the three spot, I would think. And, and, and until Duvall starts hitting, um, maybe go, Maybe you go Ozzy in the four spot, uh, or you go Ozuna in the four spot. Ozuna, you know, has Ozuna's been, you know, he's been hitting pretty well and hitting the ball hard. So maybe you go Ozuna in the four spot and then Ozzy, Ozzy five. Yeah, I like it. All right, what we we got Dalton S. Dalton S. Uh, hey guys, I was just wondering what y'all think the rotation will look like What's next on, week man? for the Mets series. Uh, how, however, it lines up. I haven't looked that far ahead. Well. 
Yeah, they're not gonna. They're not gonna. You know. You know. Uh, Snead is not one to shift uh, the the rotation around in order to get the best three or four guys against the top teams. He doesn't do that. So I think it's early to do that too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, he still wants. To, yeah, he wants everybody to keep getting their extra rest, and um, you know they're gonna need a, they're gonna need an extra starter for that doubleheader. So. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think he'll probably end up going with an opener for that because they got the extra arm right now with Woods brought up yesterday, and you've got another opener. You got a, obviously a really good opener option in Chavez, who's done it and done it well last year. So you could see him start one of those games, but otherwise, it's just going to go the way it's uh, you know it's lined up right now. If you just advance those guys forward from where they are right now. I'd have to look. I'd have to get the notes out and look, but they play you know four games, five games between now and then. So, yeah, I think it, I think it's just too early to to start. You know, obviously they're looking like the team that's going to be your number one competition in the division, but they're certainly yeah, in the true. season. Uh, you know, you don't start uh, tweaking your rotation and, and moving guys up and doing that type of stuff yet, especially with a short spring training. Okay, thank you, guys. Yep, Jeremy P. Jeremy P. Jeremy P. Hey guys. Um, just wanted to ask about, uh, about this little controversy with the baseball. Dave, have, have any of the Braves players had any strong opinions one way or the other? I would assume it creates a a divided locker room where the hitters are complaining and the pitchers are loving life. Well, Bassett complained. A pitcher complained last night. Yeah, I haven't heard any. I really haven't heard any hitters complain, um, even though obviously in that first week and a half two weeks a lot of balls were dying at the track you have not seen that as much in the last week so i mean are they already making changes or does it matter ballpark to ballpark because you know it's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out because it's too early right now what we're seeing i think is that it's is with all the ballparks now having humidors you're seeing places where it normally would be really dry their balls are going to be a little more uh, moist than than they would have been, and the places where it's humid, it's going to yep. be a little more dry. So you're going to see the ball carry in places like San Francisco where it didn't carry before, or places like you know Atlanta. The ball's going to be a little uh, is going to be a little drier than it would be in the middle of summer. Now, early in the season doesn't really matter because the weather's not been normal here yet. It's been really nice and and pretty dry. But uh, the thing I had pitchers tell me in the first week when all those balls were dying at the track, because there were a ton of them, was that the seams are higher. Uh, And I had three different pitchers tell me the seams are higher. And the theory being on those high drives, they get the, the, the having higher scenes, it slows the spin of the ball as it's reaching its apex up there. And it just, that's why you're seeing these long balls that you're so used to landing in the fifth or 10th row are instead being caught at the warning track. And by that same token, balls that are hit as line drives that kind of have backspin are not getting caught with that drag, the same drag that's created by having higher, higher scenes. And those balls were carrying into the seats. Again, it's too early to really pinpoint exactly what's going on but that's what the pitchers told me that the seams were higher and also that the balls were a little slick or chalkier which could have a lot to do with the humidors being in every ballpark yeah i think the you know the the big thing for me about it and i think most players would agree is you just want consistency you know i mean over the past three four five years you've had so many hitters adjust to lifting the ball in the air and why wouldn't you when it's traveling an extra 30 40 feet um 
but you don't see it in the NBA. They don't make the hoop smaller. They don't make the hoop higher, lower. You know, NFL, they don't change the distance of the field, the width of the field. Um, I think tweaking the ball and changing the ball and making all these different adjustments every year, it's hard for the players um, to know what their approach should be. And, and same with pitchers. You know, are you getting more break on your pitches, things like that? Um, I think overall they just need to stop playing with it and and come up with a consistent ball so hitters can adjust their approach. And if the ball's not going to fly, I think that's fine. But you got to let the players know what's happening because that's why you're seeing so many warning track fly balls now. Is guys are still in that lift mode where they're rewarded for hitting fly balls, and now they're dying at the track. And that's why offense has been so far down this season. Yeah, my, uh, and I think it really doesn't help the trust issue with the players, the fact that the ML, uh, MLB now owns the company making the balls, you know? Yeah, I mean, is it going to really change unusual. next week? Yeah, yeah, that's really unusual, too. You don't have that in the NFL or the NBA where the, where the league owns the, the equipment manufacturer making the balls. So nobody right. believes it when the commissioner comes out and said the balls are the same because they, they're in control of the balls. So they're going to do yep. what they think they need to do to either add offense or subtract offense. And in this case, I think they probably went too far with uh, changing the seams of the balls, making them a little bigger, but yep. you know, unfortunately or fortunately they can make adjustments on the fly. So if things are out of control, I think you see it go the other way and pretty quickly because it, all it is, is an, a, a, all it is, is a, <laughs> they, all they have to do is have the company make a, just slightly tweak the balls and, and yeah, return yeah. to what they were. So they just got to stop playing with it. But again, I've seen and I've seen a little difference though in the past week. I have seen more balls carrying into the seats than we did there for about a week or, or ten days. You saw none getting it. And that that road trip, Pena had two home runs that are home runs any other time of the year and almost any Agreed. year. You know, and then uh, and but I, I counted like seven balls in that Padre series that that were caught at the track. And then there were a couple last night, too. There were also a couple that got into the seats that would not have gone out in that first week. So we'll see. But I think the balls are definitely a little different. I don't trust that they won't change if offense stays this low. Yeah, yeah, because they want offense. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Jeff B. Hey, guys. Um, what can you tell us about uh, Eddie Rosario's injury? Is it, was he, did he injure his eye? Was it an infection? Did something get in it? And how long had he been dealing with it? Well, I wish I could tell you more, but we can't because we didn't talk to Eddie. He was not available. Uh, the manager and the general manager said only that he went to the doctor. He was diagnosed with, because I asked, is there a specific thing that we can call this? It is, is it a corneal abrasion? Is it a, you know, what? And, and, and what they were told is that he has blurred vision and swelling in the eye. And that is it as far as what the team said they were told. Yeah. Um, when he did it, I asked the manager, did he do it? Could he have done it in spring training? Could he have done it? Has it been bothering him all season? And Snit said that he, Eddie has not complained about it. He said a couple of times it's kind of been like nothing major, but he's, he's, he's indicated that he, he had like he felt like something was in his eye, but that he was fine. He was playing and he could play. And he said, they asked him, are you okay? He said, yeah, I can, I'm fine. And he, every time they asked, even when he went to send him in to pinch hit the other day, he said he was fine. Uh, after the Sunday game, it got worse, apparently. And that's when he went and they said, well, you need to see the doctor about that. And he went to the, to the team doctor and he said, yeah, he set him up with the appointment with the retinal specialist. But until that point, he had not indicated to anyone that it was bad enough that he thought he needed to see a doctor. Cause guy, you know, guys deal with stuff getting in their eyes and that kind of thing. So they didn't know it was any worse than that. And I saw Eddie many times and I saw no swelling in his eye or no redness, which you see if a guy's got a real bad, you see, you notice the redness. You know, I didn't notice anything about him in, you know, in the days leading up to that. I did not yeah. see him Saturday or Sunday when it happened. But uh, I wish I could tell you more, but we have not been given anything. He's having a laser procedure today and he'll and the expected uh, uh, rehab time for it is eight to 12 weeks. And that's all we know. Okay. All right, yeah, I, I think, it. you know, he, he might not even know when how long it. that's been happening to him or what's been going on because, you know, it's just such a fine thing seeing a baseball that yeah. if you're operating at 80% and you think, you know, you look at the ball, I think I feel fine. And then his eyes aren't lining up with, you know, his swings and he's missing the ball. He might just think, you know, maybe I'm just a little off and be trying to fix his swing. And then, you know, it kind of piles up and he thinks he should be hitting these balls and he's just missing them. You know, it's just one of those things that he might not even know how long it's been going on or what's going on with it. And then you go see a doctor and they're like, you know, shit, man, you, your eyes really bad. And that's when you'd be talked into to getting it fixed. Especially if it was a gradual thing, like you said. Right. He might not have right. noticed if it was a gradual thing worsening. Hopefully, right. for his case, it's not a degenerative type thing because then you are and that's a mess. But, uh, you know, he could have done it. It's, the eyes are so sensitive that he could have done it. You watch what these guys do, the sliding, the, you know, when you have a collision at second base, when you get raked across the face with a glove or, you know, anything could have, uh, you know, he could have got something in it and then rubbed it, some dirt and then rubbed it wrong. Anything could have caused it and maybe it just worsened. But, yep. I mean, you think about it, it's his right eye. He's a left-handed hitter. Yeah, it's Man. important. I'm shocked that he didn't strike out half the time. I mean, that he doesn't have the same strikeout rate a couple other guys on the team did. Pretty impressive that he was even able to put the ball in play. I mean, you can't right. if you can't see out of your right eye, you had no idea of the spin because it's. I mean, guys that that even have twenty thirty vision have trouble kept picking up the spin on the ball. You got to have great vision to be able to see what the pitch is, much less you know 
precisely where it's located. And uh, yeah, so yeah, it kind of explains a lot. And then he missed, you know, he had two errors in the one game in San Diego. He just completely missed one fly ball. So that right. would really, you know, that I, we kind of were like, what's going on with this guy? I mean, because he's never been a gold glover, but he he made the plays. He, you know, he, he was able to make up for some bad routes with athleticism, but he always made the plays just, you know, about. So that was kind of strange. Anyway, that's all we know so far. I'm sure when Eddie gets back after he has the procedure, maybe he comes back in a few days and he's in the clubhouse. I, I, I'm interested to ask him if he knows when it happened or if it was a gradual thing. Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. Matt or. What's up, fellas? What's going on, Matt? I uh, just wondering, um, Eric, you were talking about Bryce Elder getting in his head after giving up those homers and, uh, you know, you guys are talking about Kyle Wright's mental adjustments. How much of that is kind of the sports psychologist role of a pitching coach? What makes a good pitching coach? And what would you tell Bryce Elder or Strider right now so that they're not just going, shit, does the league have the book on me? Am I done? You know, that old thing. Well, I mean, that's the, that's the whole job. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're, you're always, you're always having those battles in your head. And, you know, like what I was saying with Elder wasn't necessarily that he is in his head just that those things can kind of pop up and, and losing confidence can, can really cost you. And I think that's what's turned around with Kyle, Wright is he's confident. And you know, when your mechanics are a little off, you can be as confident as you want and you're still going to get raked. If, if you're, if, if you're throwing the ball down the middle and you don't have that same life on it or direction or extension. Um, I don't think it's necessarily any one specific person's job. I mean, it can be a teammate that picks you up and says something really positive to you. But um, I think that's just something that overall clubhouse dynamics can help guys a lot with uh, feeling comfortable and, and having good people to talk to. And it's definitely something that, you know, people think a pitching coach job is just, you know, mechanics or, you know, critiquing what pitches you should throw or, or a plan, but it's also, you know, your pitching coach is kind of your number one mental skills coach. So, um, it, it, that's just something that that you have to learn and go through yourself and, and learn how to handle that doubt. And hopefully there's good people around you to help you. But I don't think it's one specific guy's role. And in, and in, uh, and if you read that story I wrote on Kyle, he really gives a lot of credit to Zach Sorensen, their mental performance uh, coach with the Braves in the whole organization. He started working with him a couple of years ago, and that helped that aspect a, a lot. And then he gives the other credit, a lot of credit, to uh, to Ben Brewster, the guy with Tread Athletics, who's like a pitching guru, a mechanics guru. Right. And it's not often that, you know, a team will kind of consent to another somebody from outside the organization helping within a season. You know, guys are kind of free to do what they want in the offseason. I mean, teams not going to stop you if you want to seek out somebody. You know what I mean? But they actually, they he was with the full consent of the Braves working with him starting last summer, you know, to really hone his mechanics and get it like what you've talked about, uh, Eric, the direction and all that. And man, the things for it to all come together, along with obviously the the uh, the advice that he got of the direction, the edict he got from uh, Ben Sustanovich, the uh, assistant general manager in charge of player development and uh, Davis, the uh, uh, pitching coordinator, to start throwing the curveball more a couple of years ago. They said, you got a great curveball. You need to start throwing the curveball more and the sinkers instead of, you know, he had gotten away to the sliders, which in the when, when uh, 
when analytics really kind of took over everything, the advice, the general advice that pitchers were getting was more sliders, more heaters up in the zone. And he kind of bought into that because he was a young, impressionable pitcher. And he thought, okay, maybe I can go to the next level doing that more. So he got away from his curveball. And that was a mistake because his curveball is really good. So when those guys a couple of years ago told him to get back to throwing that, that was kind of the first step in this progress of rebuilding yeah. Kyle Wright. That and the mental skills coach, the mental performance coach, Zach Sorensen. And then starting last summer, working with Ben Brewster to really bring those mechanics up to par, consistent. And not only that, but to teach him the cues where, he, where within a game, he can sense when his mechanics are off now and fix them. Batter to yep. batter instead of week to week or month to month where he was before. So he's really, it's kind of those, all those guys together have helped rebuild him. And now he's in a really good place. Yeah, it's a, it's a potion, you know I mean? There's so many moving parts and so many things that go right. into a pitcher building confidence. And, you know, obviously the number one thing's results. Yeah. Some guys just don't need that. Right, Eric. Some guys are like Max Scherzer and can just are DeGrom and they don't need a bunch of guys doing that. But most no. guys are not like that. Yeah, if you if you have the ground stuff, you don't really need a mental skills coach. <laughs> and Eric, you talked about a guy that was effectively your mental skills coach was was Brian McCann, right? I mean, the things he told. You. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, and that, that's why it can come from anywhere, you know. And it yeah. definitely for Kyle, if he gives somebody credit, I believe it. But um, there's so many people around you that can affect you, and that that's why I I preach that clubhouse chemistry chemistry and clubhouse vibe and you know, leadership and all those things. Cause one comment can just change a career. That's funny. Right, you were so talking like about day, Charlie Morton kind of thing. On this yeah. Oh, thing. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. O'Day with the relievers, Charlie with everyone. But it's funny, Eric, you were talking about that, uh, that little, uh, that last, I think you called it 5% of his delivery with Kyle, how you sense a, a difference now, how, how he's thrown with conviction. I got yeah. the exact same comment from Charlie Morton yesterday. Him and Max were watching him. And that very end, which I don't think a kind of myself or yeah, your layman is really going to notice it as much, but you pitchers do. The very end before he delivers the pitch or releases the ball, there's a difference in what he's doing now. And Charlie said the same thing, how he's throwing that curveball with the conviction and all this stuff. The very end before the ball is relieves his hand, there's a difference now. Yeah, you know it's funny in baseball too. It's like if you if you doubt yourself, if you doubt a pitch, it's getting torched every time. Or if you you know you throw a confident fastball right yeah. down the middle and your stuff's there, you get a pop up to center field. But that's that's why so many people preach conviction because uh, it's just such a difference maker, you know. And and with Kyle, I mean, there's just no fear right now, and I think that's been the the game changer for him. So it's like that little bit at the very end, though. It's kind of an intensity, huh? It's kind of a nastiness. It's like, here you go, motherfucker. You know, yep. you, you really, <laughs> yeah. right before you release it. Yeah, and that, that's what I'm saying. You know, when when your when your stuff's off, I mean, you can have that conviction, and and it might get you through yeah. an outing. But when your stuff's off and you don't have any conviction, you have no shot. Right. And he has a lot <laughs> of conviction right now. And I see that Scherzer, especially. He's going well 95% of the time. And when he's really locked in in a game, he just, he just, he reeks of intensity, man. And, and that last bit before he delivers a pitch and then his follow through, he's just an animal, man. He's just different than most pitchers out there. 
Yeah, and uh, hitters feel that too. Yeah, and then he comes in the dugout and tells the manager not to touch him. That dude's nuts. Yep, yeah, but it works. It sure does. Thanks, fellas. Yeah, thanks, Matt. All right, we're going to uh, wrap this up. We've uh, we really appreciate you guys coming on here with us, and we're gonna get, we're gonna keep doing this every week. So. You guys tell your friends, have some questions ready, and we'll be glad to answer them. But we really appreciate you guys jumping on board with us. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm.